Welcome to the Pure Progress Lifestyle, where the only thing that matters is progress. Guys, today I'm joined by Roxanne Chaput. Is that, did I get it right that time? Awesome. <laughs> Roxanne's a luminary, a celestial guide, celestial earth and shaman, inspirational speaker, and you have your own podcast, Soul to Soul with Roxanne. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Fred, for having me. I'm really excited to be here and just, you know, sharing space with you and I'm excited to see where this conversation goes today. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like I was looking over your stuff and one of the things I'm really excited about is your energy, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a huge thing for for people today or not just people, but if you experience the world, you realize like, just how big of energy is for people, like what you're around or what you're bringing to the table. And so... I think a lot of people's energy gets lost by this one question. And I want to start it off this way and see what you have to say about it is how do people find their purpose? Mm, I love this. So the answer to this really is we already have that answer within us. So in my belief system and what we believe in shamanism is that when you come to this earth plane, you have already signed up for a soul contract to have an experience and you already are attached to a beautiful soul sacred purpose. So that purpose is within you. Sometimes it's dormant within you. And sometimes, you know, when we go through life, so many things happen that we forget our identity. We forget who we are mm-hmm. and we get so wrapped up in terms of our experiences that we really start disconnecting to what our true soul's passion is. So it doesn't mean that everybody feels like they know what they're going to do when they're, you know, they're a young child, but they know what brings them joy. They know what brings them happiness and they know what brings them fulfillment. And we lose that along the way. Mm. So would you say what makes somebody joy or what, um, whatever they like bring happiness, like they topics that they like to research or something that keeps drawing them in, that's most likely where their purpose is. So like and say, if like somebody just likes to research football, like football, football, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, most people aren't thinking it's just like, okay, he just likes to, you know, examine football. He likes to research, but maybe there's a calling in there, like the analytics of some sort of like that road that leads to NFL. Like maybe you can be an analyst. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when we think about a sacred purpose, it's really not something that can ever truly be linear. So, and what I mean by that is that it's always a spiritual sacred purpose. So even though we have passion and even though we have expertise and experience in something, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that that's part of our sacred purpose. Because when we think about the ether and we think about like our soul energy, our soul energy doesn't know that there's football happening and transpiring on on the planetary system right so it's really about our expertise so our sacred purpose is something that comes naturally to us it's not something that's forced it's not something that we really even have to practice in a sense like we do practice it because we start becoming a little bit more like experienced and more of an expertise in it but it's something that just comes naturally and it's a lot of the times what it is is it's overlooked so Mm. 
if you look at, you know, your closest friendships, you'll see somebody's strengths, right? Like somebody's a really great listener. Someone provides really good guidance or somebody is just always there in terms of, you know, being a support system or even, you know, having dependability, being able to repair things, wanting to serve people, right? It always comes to serving humanity. So however that might show up, that's what that kind of that expertise is. So for me, I didn't realize what my sole purpose was because it was always something that I just naturally did. It wasn't something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was always, you know, providing guidance for me and listening, but for somebody else that can be completely different, right? So it could be really amazing with agriculture. It can be serving the animal kingdom. It could be doing anything of that nature, something that just comes very naturally and brings true inner happiness and fulfillment. It's usually not something outside of ourselves, if that makes sense. It does. So then let me ask you a better question. Did you feel like you had that answer already? Like through all the, you know, you, you're a good listener, all that stuff, but it, did you, something inside you was already making you aware, like, this is what I'm really good at. And no matter how no. many times you try to shut that out, it's like, okay, you've seen it enough times to know that this is what it is. Does yeah, you know what? Sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say yes to that, mm -hmm. but it really is a no because it was something I just naturally did. So I didn't realize that those were my gifts. It took a lot of introspection and for people to actually point it out to say, you know, you're always doing this, you're always providing guidance. And, you know, I worked in healthcare for over 13 years, I worked in the educational system for a very long time as well. And people would always refer to me as their angel and always would come to me for guidance. But I didn't understand that that was different because I didn't know anything different. So mm -hmm. I thought everybody did that. I thought that everybody, you know, people came to everybody to have like discussions and guidance and share their whole life story. I didn't understand that there was anything different about it until people were kind of on the outside, kind of letting me know, like, and then it was like all these little puzzle pieces that I was collecting and gathering inside of me. And then it was like one day, it was just like this light bulb moment, like, holy man, like you've been guiding people your entire life. Like, why are you not trying to serve at a, at a different capacity? So for me, it was more of that, you know, helping like those around me help it, like identify it, right. And help myself identify it. And then when like, you just think that your purpose is something like, so like, wow. And like, you know, like it's something that you're going to have to attain right. or work towards, right. but really it, it's always something that it's internal. Like it's just something that you naturally are gifted at naturally that you naturally do. Hmm. You know, that's interesting. I never really thought about it like that until you just put words on that. Cause you're right. There is something that's always there. It's like, I don't get it. How do you not get it? Like, how can you not do that? Like every, yeah. I thought we all could just do this. It's just yeah. so easy, like natural. I mean, yeah. other people can't. And it's like, okay, maybe there is something. So even then at that point, where did you were like, okay, let me dive further. Let me explore this road more. Yeah. You know, I think this is a really beautiful part of my journey because ever since I was a little girl, though, at a very young, young, tender age, I had this knowingness inside of me. I knew that I was going to be serving at a global level. I knew that mm -hmm. I was being called to serve. And I can't really like speak about the feeling. It was just like this knowingness. It's like, you know, you know, you love your parents, you know, you love your children, you right. know, that, you know, when the right person comes into your life, like it's inexplainable. Right. So 
It's just this deep, profound knowingness that happens throughout your body. And I always had like this burning fire inside of me saying that I was going to serve and serve. And I really didn't understand what that was going to entail. And life went on and I did everything that I thought that I should do for life. I went to school. I got my degree. I, you know, I worked in an executive level for a career. I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do to be successful in life. But that wasn't really the recipe, right? That was just something that I thought that I had to do. And it wasn't until I had my first near-death experience that I realized that I really started having more of that introspection and kind of like that self-assessment inside of me saying like, what are you doing? Like, are you really happy and fulfilled? Like, I would always tell everybody, like, I'm so happy, like life is great. But a part of me was lying because I wasn't really fulfilled. I was just fulfilled in what I thought that I should be doing with my life, Mm -hmm. you know? So when I really sat there and like, you know, in that solitude and was asking myself, like, are you happy? Are you happy with your life? Are you happy in the career that you're in? Are you happy with the relationship that you're in? Are you happy with how you are showing up in the world? And is this how you want to be remembered? Mm. And the answer to all of that was no. So that I knew that I needed to start embarking on my own, you know, soul and self mastery journey. I needed to understand myself. I didn't even know who the hell I was Mm. in reality. I was what I thought everybody wanted me to be on top of what I thought I wanted to be. But in reality, that wasn't who I was. Okay. So after you, you had that dialogue with yourself, like this, what am I really going to do? Cause like, I got this calling and I know it but I'm not happy. So then what was the next steps after that? You know, know, when they find their purpose, they were like, all right, they have a little idea of what they can move towards the next step. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it was inner reflection, asking myself the real questions. And I've always been a very deep thinker, a very like deep feeler. Mm -hmm. However, I never actually used that for myself. Like I was always using that to serve others. So when I was sitting there and asking my soul, like, if you could speak to me and if you could say anything to me, like, what would you tell me, mm-hmm. you know, of my heart? Like, what would you say to me, you know, and having those really honest, candid conversations and allowing myself to be in the conversation that maybe I'm not going to like the feedback that I'm going to give myself, you know, <laughs> like in, in reality, like a lot of the times we put these masks on, we put, you know, our best face forward and we don't really allow like our shadows to come to the light. So it's like, let me be real with myself. Like, what do I need for myself to be happy? Like, what do I need to do in this now moment to start pivoting my life? And I really started going down more of like the self-development, personal development journey. and really just trying to understand my thinking patterns, Mm -hmm. really trying to understand my intellectual body. Like, why did I have such poor self-esteem? You know, like I thought I had really great self-esteem, but when it really came to it, I didn't, I wasn't valuing myself because if I was valuing myself, I wouldn't be have, you know, in the situations or making the choices for my life that I did. Right. So, and it was all knowledge. Like I didn't have that knowledge to make those, those great decisions. But now that I have that knowledge, you can't unknow what you know now. So it's really about learning to really authentically love myself in every capacity and every shade of light. And that's what really allowed me to kind of expand and grow and take all of the alchemy of my life experiences and everything that I've been through and grow with that. So let me ask you a question here then. Yeah. Do you feel like doors 
opened up, the more you started to read. Because I've been preaching, I mean, anybody that's in, you know, like helping people is always telling the, the importance of reading books. But I think you just hit the nail on the head there with your like, all right, things really, st-. you didn't say that in your words, but how you said it, it sounded like things really started opening opening up when you started to read books. Yeah, you know, I'm not a, a huge reader and what I would do in terms of self-development. And sometimes if I felt gravitated towards a certain book, just my personal thinking, my personal ideology is that whatever information is supposed to be in my frequency and on my path will naturally be there. It's not something that I have to forcefully look for. So if it's something that I feel called to look for or called to search for, mm. then I'll kind of do those things. But to just like kind of immerse myself into something, no. If I know that I'm struggling in an aspect of my life, I will kind of do more of that self-exploration inside of me and see what aligns with me. So maybe it's a podcast that I listen to that really, you know, allows me to see it from a different perspective. Maybe Mm -hmm. it is an audio book. Maybe it is something of that nature. But I usually tend to stay away from books a little bit more. And it's not to say that I like I don't believe in, you know, being an author. I think it's absolutely amazing to do that. It helps so many people. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, I don't want to, again, go into that, story that I'm following somebody else's story, somebody Mm. else's guidance, I need to follow my own inner guidance and take what I feel is in resonance with me and start making those shifts within me. So it was all of these little pieces and having really honest conversations, even with my family and my friends, like, what do you think are my strengths? What do you think are my weaknesses? Like, what do you think that I can do to really just be honest with myself? Because a lot of the times our relationships that are around us, are like our mirrors, right? They're like, they see our blind spots where we don't necessarily see them because Mm -hmm. we're us and we live with us every single day. We're not able to see outside of ourselves. Mm. So, wow, that's a really good, uh, it's a really good point, you know, because I know, you know, especially for me, like in my past relationships, I can tend to like have an ego. So whenever someone's trying to point out a flaw, your e- my ego comes in as like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Instead of just listening, like maybe there is some feedback there. Is that how people have, you know, better relationships, like dropping the ego? Cause I know you touch a lot of base on relationships. So what are some other points to having like a really good relationship? Oh. Yeah. You know, what I think is beautiful is that we do have an ego and it's really important that we have an ego and we don't even just have an intellectual ego. We have a spiritual ego as well. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a really comprehensive thing that most people don't even understand the spiritual ego, nor do we fully understand the human ego. So when we talk about, you know, being in a relationship dynamic, I think it's all about delivery and how we are able to receive the information because in reality, when we are at peace with ourselves and we truly love ourselves and we truly understand ourselves and we're in a state of awareness and consciousness, mm-hmm. we're not reactive to somebody else's words because we have emotional regulation within ourselves. So when we're emotionally dysregulated, which it can happen very easily in a relationship because we truly love that person and we, you know, we want to see the best with that person. We want that person to see us in the best light. The reality of a relationship and the importance of a relationship is to be a mirror reflection. So those mirror reflections that are all around us show us where we need to grow and where we need to learn, because that's why we came here to be in those relationship dynamics with these exact soul beings, right? So they're here for learnings and teaching. So 
when someone is noticing a pattern or noticing a cycle or noticing a behavior for them to say it, it usually is because they're experiencing it in their own sensories, right? They're feeling it, they're witnessing it. So if they're bringing it to you, it's to help you grow and it's not to criticize a lot of the time, right? You do have very unhealthy relationships out there that do the latter, but in a healthy relationship, we should be able to have clear communication. I should be able to tell my partner when something like this happens, this is the way it makes me feel. I'm noticing that, you know, maybe you don't have enough motivation for life or maybe that you know you're a procrastinator and you 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 know you never finish anything that you start like these are important things because that person maybe came to teach us that we need to follow through on our actions maybe that person came to teach us patience resiliency compassion empathy right so that person is implanted in our life for an experience and for a reason and for a learning and a teaching mm. No, you're absolutely right. Cause there is that saying, you know, every relationship is an opportunity for growth. So That's right. what, um, what's the, what would be the, you know, drawing of the line between criticizing and actual, you know, constructive criticism, criticism. Yeah. And I think this really votes well in both people being in a place where they can either provide and receive the information that is being given without making it feel like accusatory or making them feel shameful of something, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a whole different level of conversation and communication. But if I have awareness within myself and I can say, you know what, Mm, the way I reacted to that was really shitty. I'm really sorry. I need to work on that, like on, on terms of like that reactivity or that reaction within my relationship. That's when you're having emotionally intelligent conversations because you're having conversations and every relationship is going to have disagreements. Mm-hmm. Every relationship is going to have, um, you know, arguments because you have two different perspectives that are coming together, two different upbringings that are coming together and they're not going to always coincide. So it's how do we get to a place where we can have strong and healthy communication, where we can share the information without each other and feeling safe to do so? Knowing that, you know, if I tell you this makes me feel this way, well, it's up to that person to want to change. It's not up to me to try and force that person to change or to make them change. It's about giving them the space to also allow that information to integrate within themselves, allow them to have their own self-reflection, take that information away, take that knowledge away, sit on it, do what they need to do, process it. And either they are going to feel in resonance or the ego is going to step in in the way and be like, oh, no, no, like everything is good. It's all about them. But then in reality, we're not being truthful to ourselves. So again, that's not coming from a place of awareness and accountability, right? In life, we need to be aware and we need to take accountability for our actions and for our behaviors. That's the only thing we have control over. We don't have control over anybody else's actions, behaviors, or anything of that nature. So if we're in a relationship and I want to help you grow and you want to help me grow, we should be able to have really good dialogue and communication between each other, knowing that we would never come from a place of intention to hurt one another, but to come from a place of love to help grow one another. Mm, without a doubt. So then obviously you believe in the law of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. So now wouldn't it be wise if you're having a conversation with your significant other and they're, you know, they're not taking what you're saying well, they're not taking accountability. Would that not be a time to reflect on your own self for your own growth and be like, 
okay, so obviously I'm, you know, I'm drawn to this person, but they're not taking accountability. Does that not say something about me also? Like maybe I don't take accountability. No, not necessarily. And this is what I really want to say is that most of the times in a relationship dynamic, it's, it's as equal as it can be, but it's never truly equal because mm. where my strengths are is where your weaknesses are going to be. And that's the reason why the harmony of the relationship is so powerful and so beautiful, right? So you have two people that have the same weaknesses. It's a very challenging dynamic because they're not able to help one another grow because they're both in a state where both of their weaknesses are very similar. So when we have the polarity of that where and the duality of you know, my weaknesses are this, my strengths are this. And that person I find is more of a complementary instead of a supplementary, right? So when we're looking at a relationship dynamic of that nature. So when we think about the law of attraction, and I really want to be very clear here is that the law of attraction isn't really the law. That is more of like the media law, but really like, you know, what we see in secondary and things like that, but it's really not the primary law. So the primary law of the universal laws and the natural laws is the law of vibration and frequency, Mm -hmm. everything in which we are right. Our soul matter, energy matter, our words, our feelings, our emotions, our actions, every object in our house carries vibration and frequency, even if we see it or we don't just like we don't see the Wi-Fi in our house. right? Right. So everything is vibration. So it's all about vibrational alignment. So if I'm on a FM radio station and I'm looking for a relationship on the AM radio, you know, frequency, it's never going to come into fruition or to an alignment because it's on two separate frequencies. Mm -hmm. So the relationships that we bring into our life are in the vibrational alignment that we are in, in that exact moment of our life. Doesn't mean that we're going to stay in that same vibrational frequency because as we elevate and as we go to our highest self, right, as we elevate our vibration, that relationship, there's going to be a a degree of separation between the frequencies where the alignment will no longer be there in that relationship dynamic. So just because somebody has challenges or weaknesses doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be in coexistence or co-union with that person. Mm -hmm. It just means that this is a reason that you are in that person's life is to allow them to see, right? The experience, the gaining of the opportunity to understand themselves a little bit more deeply because we can't really be our own, like as much as we can criticize ourselves internally from, you know, from, from childhood, from what we've learned and from what we've been, you know, shown and modeled Mm -hmm. in reality, somebody outside of us is always going to be able to somebody who loves us outside of us is going to be able to see how we react in every situation, what our cycles and patterns are of behavior, right? Are we addicted to things? Are we doing things that are self-sabotaging? Somebody outside of us is going to be able to witness that and observe that because they're not the ones actually going through the motion of it, right? It's like Mm -hmm. being in an unhealthy relationship and not knowing that you're even in an unhealthy relationship because you're so immersed into it, right? It's the same thing, the same dynamic that happens internally with ourselves. Mm. So, like, I'm still, like, I understand, you know, the law of vibration, the law of frequency, and the law of attraction, secondary yeah. law. Um, so, as I was saying, like, the, if we're drawn to a partner that's not account, accountable, but you're accountable, how does the vibration frequency work on that? Because that one I'm still a little like fuzzy about. 
Yeah. So if you think about the dynamic of a relationship, you can never force anybody to be accountable, right? If we look at the relationship dynamics of our parents, if we felt that there was wrongdoing or, you know, maybe we, we feel that we were lacking something throughout childhood, a lot of the times that person isn't able to take accountability. But the reality of a relationship dynamic is not dependent on somebody taking full accountability of all their behaviors. It may take time for that to integrate. It may take space and their own self-reflection for that to integrate. It's not something that we can expedite. It's not something that we can lead for Mm. them as much as we want to, right? So just because somebody else can't take accountability, like I know when I like, I've had partners in my life where they had very, you know, very limited challenges in terms of taking accountability because they had no awareness but it's leading by demonstration, right? It's not leading by words. It's leading by demonstration. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a relationship dynamic and I'm like, hey, you know what? I've noticed that this is my behavior and you're making it a safe space to actually, you know, have that dialogue for yourself and what you're doing, opposed to making it just about them and solely about them. It gives them and offers them this space to also be like, you know what? Okay, like they just apologize, you know, like they they felt, you know, crappy about how things happened. They took it away. This is how they they showed up. It's like that modeling behavior when we are children. We see our parents act a certain way and then we model that behavior as we get older more than likely. It's usually that or we go the complete opposite direction, right? So it's always modeled behavior. We don't, as human beings, a lot of the times we don't just go on principle of word. In the linguistics, we always go on action in the physicality of what is being presented to us. So when you have a relationship dynamic where the partner is not taking accountability, you can even call that out, you know, and not in an aggressive way, not in a, a shameful way. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to give you some time to think about it. I'm going to give you some space to think about what I'm saying. And then maybe we can have a conversation a little bit down the way. And if they're still not ready to have that conversation, it's because they're not really ready to look at themselves in a different way, right? Because like, mm-hmm. that's the reality where it becomes a little bit more of that denial. So I think there's always ways to have conversation and dialogue so that that person can feel safe to actually really, you know, give their their own feedback, right? Their self-feedback and right. saying, you know what, what I did, Maybe it wasn't in the best intention of the relationship. You know, I don't feel good about it. It didn't make me feel good. And it's always asking like those little questions, like, how did that make you feel? Like when you reacted that way or when you did that thing, like, how did that make you feel inside? Leaving it there, letting them sit on it, letting them think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Not being like, oh, like you did this is so wrong. And like, because it's so easy to go into that, into that aggressive mode, right? Yeah. You know, for sure. It's definitely, you know, just like how I would, you know, leadership, how I would act with a male, that kind of communication is not going to go over with a significant other. Cause I can't just be like, listen, you're messing up here, here, and here. This is what you're going to do about it. Like, okay, you're a dick. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not going to work that well. And, right. and rightfully so, right? Because that person, there's, there's a different level of intimacy that happens in a relationship dynamic mm-hmm. opposed to like a working, 
you know, leadership dynamic, how even as a leader in my team, you know, and isn't like even as an executive, it's always important that I come at it with compassion and empathy and love because I'm not looking to criticize. I'm looking to provide feedback that can allow them to grow and to be better, right? It's not about shamefulness. It's about how do we learn from this? Let's celebrate your mistake. Let's celebrate what you, what you went through, because in reality, every mistake that we do in life is a learning. It's not, you know, this, this bad no, no thing. It's a really important thing because that's how we learn as human beings. If you didn't make X, Y, and Z as mistakes as a kid, you would never really learn the lesson just because Mm -hmm. of someone telling you, like how many times would a parent say, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. And then you go and do it. You're like, Oh shit. Like I shouldn't have did that. You know what I mean? Because now you feel what that feels like to do something like that. So that's your learning. That's your teaching. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Like, you know, I get a lot of feedback. I mean, pushback on that because, you know, I'm a a father, so I have a little girl. So there's times where I'm going to be like, I could tell her not to do things. She's still going to do them. Like, regardless of how much respect she has, she still want to do that because as a child, you're so curious. Yeah. So I do like, I let her experience like if, you know, she gets up on a chair, not high, but she's the one yeah. she might slip, fall. Okay. Yeah. Like, baby, what'd you learn? Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to let her put a finger in the socket. Like, honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but you can, yeah, sometimes like that's the, that is the answer. You have, you cannot tell somebody what they should and shouldn't do. You got to let them, you know, experience on their own. And that's the thing is that we're not here to, to lead somebody else's life, right? We're here to help mm-hmm. guide someone else's life. So even as more of like the parent figure, we're here to help guide our children. We're not here to own their journey. We're not here to own their choices. We're here to guide them. We're here to provide them with the tools, the support, the love that they need in order to be successful in life. And it's not about us, you know, for me, parenting, a lot of it should not be no's unless it's something that is very detrimental to their health or to their well-being, right? So for them, you know, oh, they want to react that way with their sibling. Okay, do that. See how that feels. Try and do conflict resolution on your own. And then if you, you know, if you deal with it in a certain way that doesn't feel good for you, then you know that you need to change something next time that didn't feel good for you, you know, like calling somebody a name or doing something that is inappropriate. Like, how does that feel? How does that feel? How did that make you feel? Mm. You know, a lot of the times, like if the ego's kicking in, they're like, oh yeah, it felt real good. And then they sit with it. They're like, no, actually it makes me want to cry because in reality, we're not, we don't want to hurt other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I think it's just teaching them good ethics and good, like really just how to be a really good human being, you know, making those decisions for yourself. What feels good for me inside my heart and what doesn't feel good for me inside my heart. And that's the same thing with a relationship. We just lose connection of that. You know, when we come to a place where we're not aware, children can handle so much because they're so resilient. You can say one thing to them. You can, you know, put them in a timeout or, you know, give them time to think and put them in like space. And then the next five minutes, they love you. You're the best thing that ever existed in this world. But what happens throughout life is we tend to lose that resiliency as we go through life because we take everything so intentionally and so personally, and we allow that to create impact and significance within us. So we don't feel, so when we're criticized or we're provided feedback and depending on how that happened when we were a child, we internalize that right away. So the self-defense mechanism comes up right away because it's trying to protect 
the sadness, right? right? In reality, that's the only emotion that really evokes anything within us. Anger is sadness, right? If you think about it, the actual first reaction of that is true sadness. If somebody was to do something, you know, that would impact your family, the actual emotion tied to that is sadness, not anger. Anger is just the reaction of the sadness because we've been told to suppress so many of our emotions. Right. No, without a doubt, you know, especially with kids, like how many times, like when you say no, like they're resilient, but over the course of time, how, you know, you add up thousands of no's, it does, it's damaged. So I think no matter where you are in life, even if you had the best parenting, you still have to do self-development because like, even if you take your muscles or your body, Mm -hmm. you have to continually, you know, push it. Otherwise it's going to break down. Yeah. The same thing with your mind. Exactly. And, you know, I really tell even my clients and those that I'm just interactions with is that self-development is not like about like being addicted to betterment. It's just learning and being aware of where you are at in this now moment. And how does that make you feel in this now moment to, you know, have maybe a cycle or pattern that you don't agree with, have maybe generational trauma that you're bringing into your current life and to your, like your current family dynamic, right? So it's really being real with yourself that really that's what self-development is, is being real with yourself, being raw with yourself without judgment, without shame, without guilt, without fear. And that's the beautiful thing about awareness is that you can learn to love all of yourself, regardless if, you know, you think that you need to strengthen an aspect of your life because you feel, you feel inside of you that you need to strengthen that. Then that's something that you do for yourself, right? It's not something that you're doing for somebody else. And that's the really important thing is that we're not just shifting for other people. We're shifting for ourselves because we believe in ourselves and we want to live the best life for ourselves. It has nothing to do with being better. It's just about where do I want to live in terms of my lifestyle? Like, how do I want my vibration to be? How do I want my frequency to be? How do I want my self-acceptance to be? You know, like, do I want to accept myself and all that I am? Or am I just going to accept the parts of me that I think are acceptable? Mm. So if someone were to come to you, you know, like, I think I'm lacking awareness. I mean, obviously, that might be a silly question, because if you think you're lacking awareness, you're already aware. Right? You're you're slightly, yeah, you're, you're yeah, on the road to being right. aware. <laughs> so how would you point out some, or how would you, what would be your recommendation for how people can start becoming aware? When, when this is what I do. So it's the polarity of that is when I ask about the relationships or their family dynamic, it's mm-hmm. where do they place the guilt? Where do they place the blame and where do they place all of their emotionality into? Mm-hmm. So what that really means is that if I'm in a relationship dynamic and I'm like, he did, he did, she did, she did, she did. Then I know they're not in a place of awareness or conscious consciousness in terms of themselves, right? Because that means that they're still not taking accountability of their part in that relationship. So it doesn't mean that in an unhealthy relationship that you would take the accountability for someone's actions or for someone's words. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just want to make sure that that's abundantly clear. But it's about taking actions of and taking responsibility over our own choices, right? So I decided to stay in that relationship that maybe wasn't serving me. That was a choice that I made, right? It's taking that accountability. It's taking that awareness. 
I have choices in life. We all have choices in life. No one is ever truly stuck anywhere in any type of relationship dynamic in any career dynamic. We're never stuck somewhere. That's a mentality, right? That's a perspective that is like a limited mindset in terms of a fixed mindset, right? Where a growth mindset is like, I have choices. Everything in life is a choice. And it doesn't mean that that choice is going to necessarily be easy, right? If I I can decide to sit on the couch and eat potato chips and eat Twinkies all day or, you know, and deal with the repercussions of that. That can be very challenging. Or I can go to the gym and work out. And some days that's going to feel really challenging. But what is actually going to serve me in the long run and the longevity of my path? So everything is a choice in life, right? So it's not to shame anything of that, but everything is a choice. We get to decide what we want to do with our life. So we get to decide the relationship that we want to be in. Am I in an unhealthy relationship? Am I in a relationship that isn't fulfilling or serving me? Well, I have a choice. I have a choice to make a different choice. I have a choice to choose the latter of that, right? And it doesn't mean that it's going to come instantaneous, but it means that there's something inside of me that thinks that that's what I'm worth, right? So right. it's really getting into that more of that complexity of a lot of the things are tied to someone's worth and how they feel about their own self-worth. Because if I'm doing things that are detrimental to my health, doing things that are detrimental to my being, then I know that I'm in a self-sabotaging behavior and I know that I'm doing something because I don't actually believe that I'm worthy of something better that for myself. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you would you would point out the choices that they're making is that's that that's like what they're fixated on, you know, and that's you know the law of attraction, vibration, frequency is which you frequently are like what you frequency put your attention on. That's the frequency you're going to get. So you just advise them to start like making a better choices, like small little actions daily. Correct. Yeah. And you know what I think is really important too is that's such a great point, Brett, because in reality, what about the law of vibration, law of correspondence and action, all these, you know, incredible laws of nature. It's really important to understand that we also create resistance along our path, right? So mm. we can say that we want a healthy relationship, but we're doing everything in the polarity of that. We're doing everything within our subconscious levels that are not actually leading us down that path. So I can say, oh, I want to be a successful millionaire. You know, I want to own a seven-figure business. But in reality, my generational thinking, my my epigenetics, everything of my actions is showing that I am actually not ever going to get there, right? So that is what I find is very dangerous about the law of attraction because it's like, oh, just think it and it'll come to fruition. Yes, some things will. But a lot of the times, if it has to do with vibrational frequency, it will never come into that alignment. So it's being really honest with yourself, you know, like if I'm in a relationship that really isn't serving me in any way, right? In any way, I don't feel like I'm growing from the relationship. I don't think that it's healthy to my well-being. And also having like that introspection, like what am I adding to this relationship? Where is, you know, where's my part? Where's my accountability into the relationship? This person isn't bringing out, you know, the best reflection of me and I'm not really overly enjoying that dynamic, right? That's a different conversation. But if I'm saying I want a healthy relationship, but everything that I'm doing within myself, right, is not healthy for myself, then I'm not actually seeking a healthy relationship. I'm being very unrealistic in terms of my vibration and frequency because I'm telling the universe, I'm showing the universe in action that I actually don't deserve that. And I'm Mm. not worried about that. 
Right. With, and I, I think you're so correct on this point. I mean, this is a whole category on its own to where how people just mess this up without even knowing it. Even like they do the self-development, they still have no idea about this, which is like you said, okay, I'm thinking, all right, I want to get a better relationship. All right. So I write it down. Cool. But then what's my frequency? What's my vibe? Cause I'm still focused on all the bad things that happen in that relationship, all the bad relationships that I've always had. And it's in your subconscious. So no matter how many times you say, I want to, you know, I want a good relationship. You are still focused on the bad things that happened. Yeah, and so you will and always you- vibrate to that, to that frequency. And yeah, and I love what you're saying because what, what we think about is what we focus on expands, right? So everything that we focus on expands. So when I say that we create resistance along our path is that sometimes it's even at the subconscious autonomic levels, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even something that we're even fully cognizant of because it's something that is so buried within our subconscious and our hyperconscious that we're not even able to actually actualize it and bring it into the consciousness without a little bit of assistance doing that, right? So a lot of the times if I say, you know, I want to lose weight, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, this and oh, that and oh, that. And every time I look in the mirror and I'm like this, 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 well, I'm creating that very resistance block around me as well. Right. And for me personally, like even like dream boards and things like that of that nature, like I don't believe in that because I believe mm. that that creates the limitation. I believe that that limits us to only receiving that abundance or receiving what we're kind of requesting in terms of like the visual perception of like what a vision board and a dream board is supposed to entail, because I feel like that just creates limits. So again, we're creating that resistance. Where am I creating resistance? You know, like, do I actually feel like I can actually attain this? Is this actual reality that I feel that I can have this in my life? That is also a part of, you know, the law of vibration and the law of attraction is that you actually have to feel in every fiber of your cellular complex, your physical, your intellectual, your emotional body, you need to be able to feel that in the resonance of you that this is something that is going to come to fruition. There's no timeline. There's no time pressure. There's no such thing as time when we talk about, you know, the speed of light and the law of attraction, right? It's all about divination. So when we think about it from that aspect, it's like we have this, you know, this instant gratification mindset. Oh, well, if I don't get it by him, then I don't want it, you know, or right. if I'm here, then I'm going to be disappointed and frustrated. Well, right then and there, you're creating that very resistance to the very thing that you want. And a lot of the times when someone's like, oh, I just, you know, I want a really good relationship. I want a really good relationship. I want a good re- relationship. You're creating resistance because you're already having expectations of what exactly that you're seeking. When you surrender, mm-hmm. When you have a knowingness, right? When you like, I want a healthy relationship for my life because that's what I feel that I'm in alignment for. And you surrender to that and you don't put your daily thoughts into it in terms of like, oh, okay, when is it coming? Is this the person? Is this that, right? Like, it's like a complete surrender and trust. And when we surrender and trust, that is when we like, we abundantly manifest within ourselves is when we learn to trust and surrender. If you, faith, right? Trusting and fully surrendering, not questioning timeline, not questioning if it's going to come to fruition, fully trusting and really surrendering and releasing the ideology that things have to be done and met by a certain criteria 
a lot of the times when we manifest something, we're like, holy man, like I didn't even expect it to be like that. It's not the exact way that I wanted it to be. But you know what I mean? It came in its own way and that's beautiful, but we already created resistance. So instead of that thing coming into our, our vicinity, our vibration within maybe a week span, it almost took maybe five to 10 years to come to us because of that resistance that we created. So wow. it's really important that we understand that when we're looking for something in our life, that we're looking to elevate something in our life, or that we're looking to attain something in our life, that we learn to surrender and trust, because that's one of the biggest things about the laws of nature is surrendering. Wow. I don't think, you know, that's what you just said could be. Um, I think everybody should go back and listen to that over and over and over again, because that <laughs> right there is the number one thing that everybody does wrong. Everybody, even including myself for a long time is like, I want these things, but I have no idea how much I'm screwing myself over by just, I'm still fixated on the things that got me to the outcome that I on. And it's all subconscious and you have no idea. And that's the thing too, is that when we're yearning for something, we're creating lack and scarcity around it. Right. So that's a big proponent. And that's what creates the resistance of the vibration is if I'm yearning for something so badly, right? I'm yearning because I'm living in a state of scarcity. I'm living in a state of fear that I'm in lack where I'm not actually having the things that I need to be happy and fulfilled. It's this, I'll be happy when mentality, mm. I'll be happy when I receive something mentality. Right. But when we live in that state of scarcity, fear, and lack that we're lacking something for our life, that also creates an abundance of resistance. And most people live in lack. Yeah, without a doubt, because it is always when I do this, like, you know, I'm, I'm really big into fitness and I've seen too many times people like, you know, I'll be happy when I get to take my shirt off at the gym, yeah. you know, I'll yeah. or I'll go to the beach when I get that body, you know, all that kind of stuff instead of just doing it now, like it's as if it's already in existence. Yeah. And the secret of manifestation is being happy and fulfilled now with exactly what you have in this now moment and being grateful, appreciative of everything that is in this now moment. And whatever comes into that alignment, it's a blessing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a miracle. It's magic, right? So there's no expectation again, right? Releasing, surrendering to an expectation. We have all of these expectations in our life, an expectation of a partner, expectation of a business, expectation of ourselves, we're always placing expectations and those expectations are limiting us. Mm. So then how does somebody, you know, burn it into the mind, like to be grateful, to see these things coming? Yeah. And that's the really important thing is it's the intellectual body work and the emotional body work and the spiritual energetic body work that needs to happen, right? Because there's clearing, there's patterns, there's cycling, there's epigenetics that need to be cleared. There's thought patterns. All these things need to start clearing so that we can actually feel comfortable being at peace, being in the comfortability of not knowing. We have this thing as human beings that we feel that we have to know everything. We have to know what to expect because that's part of our reptilian brain that, you know, that survival brain where it's like, I need to know what's happening so we can survive, mm. but we're not in a state that we need to survive from the primal state of being anymore. We need to survive from our mental health and from what we are kind of, you know, going and navigating through, through the planetary system. So it's really important to be able to shift that. And we can't shift that without having awareness and accountability over that. So 
it's a really, it's more of like an inner work that needs to happen before we can actually feel comfortable releasing and surrendering to the unknown, to not knowing what the next step is going to be, to not knowing an exact timeline. And this is where a lot of businesses fail, right? Being an entrepreneur is like, I was so adamant at the first part of my entrepreneurship because I've ran businesses. I, you know, I've been, you know, in business operations my entire life. And it was just like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I was very in my masculine energy. And it's not to say that masculine energy is bad, but I was never allowing myself to be in a feminine, in my feminine, my divine feminine energy of mm-hmm. being in a state of flow, of surrender, of release, of creativity, of allowance, right? right? Feminine energy is allowance. If I'm always in my masculine energy and I'm not allowing things to come into my alignment, well, I'm creating that resistance, right? Mm. So I was creating that very resistance for myself. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, as I started doing my own self-work, I was like, no, I'm going to surrender to all expectations. I'm going to continue to show up and do what I feel I'm passionate about and do the things that I feel that I need to do for myself in my creative state, in my masculine state. And I'm going to allow that to come to fruition. However, it's meant to come to fruition. There's no expectation or timeline. And as soon as I surrendered that for myself, and it's like, um, it's like a constant practice, right? It's like meditation. It's like working out. You have to build the muscle. You have to build the capability to be able to do that in order to have that strength. So it was really about surrendering. And the moment that I surrendered, Brent, it was like client after client after client, like huge contracts really? just coming in. Really? And I was like, and I knew, and I, and I learned that through my own journey when I did a journey, cause I'm a shaman. So I did that through journey and it was showing me the way to manifest. It was showing me the way to bring things into my alignment without having to be forceful and be in forceful action. And when I saw that and when I practice it and I realized, and I just had this like profound inner peace within myself, when I released that expectation, it was like, consistent and every business is going to ebb and flow. It doesn't matter if you're a Walmart, it doesn't matter if you're a small business, all businesses ebb and flow. But through the ebbs and through the flows, if I'm in my ebb, if I need to be in my masculine energy, then I'll be in my masculine energy. If I need to be in my state of flow, when I go in through my flow and surrender and trust, mm-hmm. because that's a period of rest, right? But we're so we're so fixated to know like, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Again, that scarcity, that lack where we just need to start trusting. We need to trust where we're being guided. We need to trust that things are going to happen the exact way that they need to. It's not ever something that needs to be forced. When you think about maybe throughout any period of your life, if you were ever worried about finances and you're like, oh no, like I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. And all of a sudden, money just trickles in some random place that you really just didn't even expect. You're like, oh my goodness, like this is perfect, right? Like things like that happen every single day because that is the true law of manifestation. Right. No, for sure. Like when you're just able to relax about the whole thing, you're like, you know, it's going to be taken care of. It's you're always taken and care something, of. Something always happens. Like you said, something miraculous you know, at the last minute, like the buzzer beater shot comes in and you're like, where, yeah. how did this even happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I think when we learn to just trust and even in those states of like, we're a little bit worried, we're not in a place where we're like, oh, like I got to make more money in this and that. Right. It's just like, oh my goodness. Like I wasn't expecting that. That was totally out of left field. 
And when we think about like a relationship dynamic, like how many people have you heard say throughout your entire life and probably even through, you know, movies and things like that of that nature, the moment that they stopped looking for the perfect partner and became the perfect partner themselves, they naturally just attracted that as soon as they released their expectations and surrendered, that perfect person just showed up for them for their lifetime. Mm. Right. So it's releasing that expectation, right? It's, it's stopping, you know, creating this barrier in front of us because everything is energy. So if my energy is having energetic blocks to that very thing that I'm attracting, it's never going to come into my, into my alignment until I, until I clear that. Right. Without a doubt. So just real quick, I want to get back because I know a lot of people kind of burning questions already. I can already feel them. <laughs> <laughs> Is when you st- started like expecting clients, you're just, w- what was the mindset on that? Because you said as soon as you stopped expecting clients, it was like they all just showed up. Yeah. And the mindset was, so I'm a shaman. So for, for some people that don't know what shamans are, so shamans have been around for over 100,000 years and they were like, the tribal community, medical doctors, spirit doctors, energy doctors, herbal medicine doctors. So they were considered the doctors of their tribal communities throughout the world. There was no such thing as actual MDs back in in those times. And we still do those practices within our tribal communities now. So I am part of a Métis tribal community here in Canada, which is an Indigenous um, community. And I was called by my ancestors to step into this gift in in this way that I'm serving. But um, for me... Like when I was a shaman, we do a lot of journeying and journeying is like a deep uh, state of meditation where we go into our theta state of our brain. And a lot of times we're going to do astral projections as we go through our journey and we travel through the cosmic waves. So that way is how we receive information. We talk to our spirit guides. We talk to animal guides. We talk to the ascended masters. We talk to councils just to try and understand information that we're dealing with either our clients or for ourselves. And when I was in journey one day, with a few of my tribal uh, community elders. So the elders in our communities are the ones that carry like the wisdom, the traditions, the songs, you know, all of the history of like who we are as like within our own tribal community. We were in journey and this one journey, and we don't do this on psychedelics, just so people know, like we're, we're fully cognizant. We're not on, I mean, some people will, like some shamans do use psychedelics and herbal medicines, but that's personally just not my, my thing. Um, that's a specialization, right? So for me, I was in journey and it was just like, I was shown, I was shown like this rainbow that was like flowing through my entire being. And it was showing me how to manifest and it was showing me how the light worked. And it was showing me like, like the universal, like images, I won't go into full detail about the journey, but it was absolutely beautiful. And it was, it was showing me in that journey, how to fully surrender just my body. Like it wasn't showing me um, like to surrender everything. It was just teaching me how to surrender my complete body. And in that state, my whole body was completely surrendered. And this rainbow of light was like shooting through me, like just like rays of lights were shooting through me. And it was showing me like our cellular complex. So as we know, and it's been proven in science that we have like an energetic body, that we have an astral body and things of that nature. And it was showing me how it was coming through and how to truly manifest. And it was like this complete surrender that happened in my body. And when I came out of that journey, I was, I'm, I've been at peace for a very long time, but it was like almost like a deeper, like knowingness of peace that happened throughout my body. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just like the whole message of that, that I was like being shown was just to fully trust. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just fully trust. And it's so hard because we want to be in control of everything. Like I'm a very person that I love to like make plans and strategize for business owners. Right. So we like to be in control of things. And I was like, that was a huge learning and teaching for me to not have to be in control of something that I actually don't even have control over in, in the reality of the bigger picture. I can only control how I am as a soul being right now in this body. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it was like, it was so impactful. Two days later to like the following month, it was like call after call after call, clients coming in, contracts coming in. I was like, and I was crying every time they were coming in. I was in tears because it was so powerful because I knew what I was doing and that I knew I was like, I unlock something incredible. I knew that I had unlocked something really amazing. Wow. So this journey, like it totally just made you surrender, like even just the remote of almost like it doesn't matter if I get a client or not. I'm just going to do my own thing. And it wasn't like, I don't matter, you know, like it doesn't matter because I've had like that mentality before, but in reality, in the background, like, how am I going to, you know, make finances this month? Like how am I, Mm -hmm. it was like a complete surrender and a complete trust. Like it was like, just fully, fully, fully trusting and surrendering any concern, any fear that I had where I don't operate from fear anymore because that's the reality that I was operating Mm. in. I was operating from fear, scarcity, and lack, right? So Mm -hmm. it was like, I chose to no longer operate in that way because that way was no longer serving me. It was making me sick, right? So- we can say that it isn't, but that stress is not good for the body or the energetic body in any way. Right, for sure. I mean, if you if you remove money from any equation, I mean, that's in reality, everybody's stressor is money. You remove money, what do people have to really be stressed about? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So, just you're you're. Um, I don't know if you're big in astrology or astrology yeah. is something. So how does, how does astrology, how can one use that to their own like enlightenment? Yeah, I think astrology is a really beautiful place to understand your natal chart and to understand how you came into the planetary systems and what planetary, like what planets were in alignment when you came into the earth plane. Mm-hmm. So we know that from astrology and the astrology that I follow is more of a, it's, it's like a scientific measured um, astrology is not that I believe in all scientific measurement. I believe spirituality is way um, stronger than <laughs> science just because spirituality has been around for so many years. If we look at the scriptures in Egypt and all of these things of that nature, it wasn't based on measurable science. It was based on spirituality, right? And connection to self. Um, but what this astrology is, it's all done on scientific measures. It's called VA astrology. And it's amazing. So it doesn't go on actual birth signs like Sagittarius, Capricorn or anything like that. It actually goes by planet. And it's way more intensified in terms of personally what I feel. Um, it just gives an incredible report in terms of how you came into the planetary system. And I think that that's really important for somebody to know because they already know a lot of their strengths and their weaknesses, because that is where their soul energy came into the earth plane when they were born. So I think that that's a really powerful thing to know, to know oneself is to know 
the dynamic of the history of yourself, right? I think that's really important. And to understand the foundational blocks that you have already created just from being born. And then everything else is able to be achieved and everything else is able to be mastered in this lifetime. So astrology, I feel is important, but I don't also feel that it's everything because it can only expand so much, right? It can only, it can only tell us so much right now. Mm. So you would say somebody's natal chart is important to know. Okay. Yeah. I think their natal chart um, is really important. I found also like their karmic numbers, their karmic debt numbers are really important for them to understand as well. I've never heard of that Yeah. So those are their life lessons. So a lot of the times that will be the lessons that they signed up for to come through on this planetary system or things that they have to mend um, in this lifetime, which can be really powerful as well, because there's always a very deep resonance with that. Regardless, if you believe that we've lived, you know, countless of lifetimes on this earth plane, or if we, if you believe in reincarnation or not, I personally do, um, doesn't mean that everybody does, but we all know from science and from religious structures that energy cannot be created by man. It cannot be destroyed. So that means that our soul essence has lived for millions to billions to trillions of years. So to think that it never came back to the planetary system could be a possibility for the newer souls. But for those that have come back to the planetary systems, there has already been experiences and life lessons that they've needed to learn. Without a doubt. Now, where would the karmic debt chart i've never heard of this one this one i'm like the natal chart know that one and i've never like been a real big believer of astrology and all that until you know it's funny as you're a business owner you know the universe like if you have a goal or somehow the universe is going to break you down until you abide by the laws you abide by the energy and then you start feeling like okay you know the astro the astrology is something there is something there because it's like you said earlier in the conversation with um with the frequency of vibrations, like if you want to reach FM radio, you're not going to go on the AM radio frequency. Yeah. So if you just think about, you know, just a phone, how can yeah. a wireless phone reach all the way across the earth? And you have yeah. that conversation, like there's something there, you don't even have to see it. That's what I mean. So, and that's what's incredible about, you know, where we're looking about quantum science and measurable science, they're starting to actually just catch up to spirituality and what's happening in the ether and what's happening in the quantum levels, which is really awesome for us because we're like, see, we're not woo woo. (laughs) Like this stuff really is present and it really is there. Right. So just like we know that Wi-Fi is happening, but because we don't visually see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Right. So we know from science and religious structures throughout the world that we do have a soul essence and that soul essence is made of energy. And we know that we're made of energy. We're electromagnetic beings. So everything around us is energy and frequency. And it doesn't mean that we see it. We don't even see our own energy field, right? So our energy field is at least six diameters, six meters outside of us. And it can expand up to 200, you know, feet outside of ourselves. When you, when you see somebody walk into a room and they're not even close to you in terms of physical connection or contact, and you could just feel their mm-hmm. energy because your energy metrics is already speaking to their energy metrics, right. right? So it's things that we don't even see. We just, you know, we think, oh, it's just a feeling or it's just that. But in reality, our energy is already making decisions and it's going into our intuitive knowingness where we're like, oh, this person seems a little, you know, I don't know that I'm going to really get be in alignment with this person or this person is like, wow, their energy is just, 
you know, so magnificent, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a knowing. It's like when you, be, you meet the right person, it's, it's a knowing. It's not all this criteria that has to be met. It's not this person does this or that for me. It's a profound knowingness that they're like, I, you ask somebody who found the right partner for their lifetime, a soulmate or, you know, a twin flame. And they're like, I just knew. I can't explain it. There's no other words. It's undescribable. I just know it's a knowingness. It's like when you have kids and you have somebody that doesn't have a child, they can never understand that love between a parent and a child dynamic until they feel that knowingness. Yes. Right? It's a knowingness. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going on. So that's what we need to come back to. It's the knowingness and not being stuck in the intellectual body of the brain. Mm. You know, I'm so glad uh, you just brought up that point because I, too, used to work in the health field. And I would always hear people, you know, say, oh, I love these these patients. Like, you know, I love my, you know, like I would love a daughter or a son. And I'm like, I always had to stop. No, that you you can't even say that. Like, it is a totally different dynamic. Like, yeah. you wouldn't, you know, easily, like, if two in the morning, if they're at the hospital or are you getting out of bed to go there? Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're without it, it's not even a question. Yeah. It's, it's just so so I'm glad you brought that point up because it is very big. Yeah, it's um, about connection, right? So everything around us is connection. Everything. Right. From from what we desire for our life, for what we want to create in our life, everything is connection. So yeah, so it's all about taking that alchemy of our learnings and our teachings and what we have within us and expanding with that and growing with that Mm. so probably like my next final big question here is attachments Mm. what's your thoughts and um, experience with with attachments attachments a lot of times it's codependency right Mm. so when we talk about codependent relationships that is a more of an unhealthy attachment style. It doesn't mean it's wrong, right? And there's nothing that's truly right or wrong. That's all about perspective and perception of how, how somebody feels. But when we're codependent on a relationship in terms of attachment, a lot of the times we're not thinking and feeling for ourselves because everything is based and valued upon our partner. So what that means is that if I'm in a relationship that is codependent and the attachment style is maybe more um needy in terms of what our relationship dynamics should be so when we think about a relationship and for me like for me it's really important to have an enlightened relationship and an enlightened relationship is where two people have awareness two people are growing together and two people take accountability for what they bring to the table and it's more of a complementary opposed to a supplementary relationship And what that means is that we're complementing one another in our lives and we're not needing to be there to supplement each other in order for us to live. So that's a really important thing, I think, in terms of attachment for me personally. Um, But what I do see a lot of times is there's a lot of codependent relationships where relationships are there. Either there's a financial codependency, there's an emotional codependency. It could even just be like a support like codependency that you'll see in a relationship dynamic. And like I said, nothing is good or bad. It's just like, what do you want for your life? And what you'll see in those attachment styles is that say something happens in the relationship dynamic, um, you have a disagreement or anything of that nature. 
Well, if you're in a codependent relationship, you're going to internalize that and your value is going to be based on the value that your partner puts on you, right? So it's not based on your own actual value for yourself. So that is kind of where I feel that, you know, codependent attachment styles can be very kind of detrimental to someone's self-worth and self-being depending on the relationship that they're in. I do also see a lot of beautiful attachment styles, like even though there is a little bit of codependency where they actually balance each other really beautifully, but there's an aspect of themselves that that person is really immersed into their growth and really immersed into helping them, you know, maybe is kind of in the position where they're more of like their counselor or there'll be more of, you know, their cheerleader or anything like that of that nature, because without that, that person would feel, again, the worth of that person would kind of be impacted. So I think that it's really important if we're in an attachment style relationship that we're really being honest with ourselves on why we need that person to continuously validate us, right? So that's the most important piece of that of that relationship dynamic, right? Like if I'm in a relationship and I'm always dependent on my partner to give me compliments so that I can feel beautiful, mm-hmm. well, that tells you that I don't actually feel very highly or think of myself very highly in terms of my own self-esteem, right? Right. So then for a relationship to work, do you think it's it's more okay for the feminine, for the female to be more codependent than the male? I think it goes both ways, right? I think that uh, it can go either way. Like I know that a lot of the times in codependent relationships, especially, you know, what we've seen growing up that the feminine, uh, like, you know, like the female, the woman would be a little bit more the stay at home and the man would be more of the financial provider, the supporter. I mean, we're starting to see shifts like that happen, but it's not fully there yet. There's still a lot of that dynamic that happens. So there is a bit of that codependency that's happening in the finances. But in reality, if that person is there and they're helping raise the family and they're doing all that, right? That is also bringing in money, but it's just different. It's a different value that they're bringing in, right? So they're not paying for daycare. They're not paying for this. They're not paying for that. So it does balance like itself out. And it doesn't mean that it has to be perfection, but it's who is putting what into the relationship. And is that balance putting into the relationship so that the relationship can work? So I think there's a little bit of a different aspect, but if I'm not working and I'm not doing anything at the home and I'm just, you know, I'm home all day and I'm not doing anything and there's nothing happening in terms of reciprocation for my partner and they're out there providing, then I think there's there's an unhealthy attachment style that's happening because now it's just literally codependent for that person to do everything while that person doesn't have to do anything in the relationship dynamic. So it's really, I think, dependent on the situation like at hand. But if that person, like not everything has to be based on the exact value. It's not oranges for oranges, right? So if I'm working and I'm providing and my husband's at home and he's taking care of the kids and he's saving us this and he's like doing the things that need to be done for us, for our household to run seamlessly, that to me is not a dependent relationship. Hmm. Maybe I should have asked that question a little bit better, yeah. in a little bit more detail, because obviously when there's a relationship like that and there's kids and all, of course, there's going to be like a little dependency on one of another because you guys are basically a team working to, you know, maintain your household. Yeah. So an emotional, like an, an emotional, you know, codependency. Yeah, I think emotional codependency can be very messy because yes. 
if someone is in a relationship that they have that codependency emotionally, and it doesn't mean that it's always messy, but it can be very quickly. And that person is literally everything for them in terms of their support, the way that they should feel about themselves on a day-to-day basis. One, it's very strenuous on the other partner because the other partner has a lot of pressure in terms of how they need to really, you know, be in a relationship. They can't even feel like they can say something because all of the emotionality is really placed on them. So I think that that's a really challenging dynamic to be in for anybody. It's a very draining and a very strenuous, you know, situation to be for anybody because in reality, we are not responsible for somebody else's emotional regulation. Again, the no accountability, the no awareness of their own emotional regulation of them being able to solve issues for themselves and for them to be able to be also part of their own support system is a really healthy thing. And it's a really beautiful thing. And it's a really powerful thing. When you're coming from a place of disempowerment, where you're in a relationship dynamic, where the other person is disempowered by their own emotions, and the other person isn't feeling empowered either, because they feel like that that's a drain, right? It doesn't matter who you are. That's an energetic drain to be that person. Like some people like feel like it's really great at first. It's like the hero, you know, you come in, you save and you're, you're trying to make it better, but that, that story gets old real quick, right? Mm -hmm. Where then your emotional upkeep cannot even be taken in, like taken into consideration and it can't even be taken care of or nurtured because you're constantly doing that for the other partner, which isn't fair, right? So now we're looking at inequality in terms of reciprocity. If that person is an emotional stability for the other person and you're both emotional stabilities for each other, and then you can help each other grow, that's a different dynamic and a different situation opposed to one always nurturing and feeding and giving and giving and giving and giving while the other person is never giving and never, and the other person is never receiving where, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a gas tank. If you don't fill it up, you're going to run out of gas. Like we're only human, right? So that stuff can be very draining. So there needs to be some type of reciprocity that happens. There needs to be some type of dynamic where both people are happy and fulfilled and somebody else's emotional dependency or emotional regulation shouldn't depend on their partner. That's a very high expectation and that's a very high demand to have on somebody else. Mm, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So somebody that's, you know, emotionally codependent, what kind of enlightenment would you give them so that way they they know what to look out for, not necessarily on somebody else, but for themselves. Yeah. And I think this is where it comes to is like, are they able to sue themselves? Right. Are they able to sue themselves? If something happens in their life, is it like, is it always like very dramatic and a disaster? Is there like a mental health instability? Right. Is there a chemical imbalance that happening in the brain, which, you know, is very much can be so. And, Obviously, you obviously want to give that attention, right? You don't want to feel like you're not healthy in in all ways. But I think what it comes to is that when you are always emotionally dependent on someone else, you really have to ask yourself, why do I need this person? Because in reality, when you were born and before this person ever came into your life or before any relationship dynamic came into your life, you had to be that person for yourself. So why is that job, right, being given and gifted to somebody else when in reality, it's almost a bit of a burden at times, I'm sure. But in reality, why are you not able to help self-soothe yourself? Why are you not able to have that internal self-dialogue? Why are you not able to 
regulate your own emotional body, right? And that's the more powerful conversation. If I am reactive over something, one, why does it make me feel that way? What is it activating inside of me, right? Because mm. it's always related to something that is rooted. Does it make me feel inadequate? Does it make me feel not worthy? Does it make me not feel loved? Does it make me feel, what, what does it make me feel like, right? Where does this come from? Where does this stem from? A lot of times, unfortunately, it's childhood because that's when our core values are built, right? Our core values are built from the age of zero to six. So a lot of times it's associated to that. So our soothing mechanisms, our coping mechanisms, all these things are built at a very tender age, right? And then we practice them throughout our life. Once we have an emotional response to something, it's very complex for the brain to ever have a different command on how it responds to it. It's always going to take the same emotional response route. And that's why it's challenging to break cycles and patterns because you have to actually get to the root of why it does that. Mm. Okay. So would it be a fair question to ask? You could tie this all, like go back to the beginning to the importance of finding one's purpose. Yeah. You know, I think purpose is a huge aspect and knowing yourself and it's really our whole life that we do in adulthood is coming back to a state of remembrance, right? We're coming to remember ourselves. We're, we're debunking, we're deconstructing all of this house and this foundation that really wasn't in alignment with us. And we're creating a whole new foundation and we're creating a whole new house that is in complete alignment with us and is our true belief system, right? What I say may not be in resonance with you. There might be pieces that are in resonance with you and will allow you to do self-reflection and be like, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of that. And that's how I start building my foundational blocks, right? So it's really about the deconstructive of a coming back in that state of remembrance of remembering who we really innately are. Because when we look at children, the innocence, the joie de vivre, the love for life, the happiness, like all of that, the curiosity, right? We're coming back to that state because that is our truest and that our most innocent state of being. Mm. I would definitely the curiosity. I feel like, or I don't even know if it's feel or I think, you know, what goes wrong with most people is they just lost that, that sense of curiosity in all things. And it's and excitement. And excitement, right? Like, right. it's like, I can be happy and excited when it's not, I can be happy and excited in this now moment, right? Like it's, right. it's doing that, that work as well, right? Coming back to that inner child state of being, not being a child, but coming back to that inner child state of being, because that is our most purest essence of divine emotion, right? Where we're feeling our emotional body in its purest form. And what happens throughout our life is we take all this sadness. We take all these things that happen throughout our life. We pressurize it. I don't necessarily believe in suppression. I know that we use that, you know, that, that verbiage in those linguistics, but in reality, it's a pressurization of our emotions and we pressurize and we pressurize and we pressurize and we pressurize. And eventually what happens to a pressure cooker, it releases itself and it explodes, mm-hmm. right? So that's exactly what happens within our human body and our emotional body. And then we hold it in our muscles. We hold it in our tissue. We hold it in our bones. We hold it into our response system. We hold it into our neurological response system. And that's how we have illness and progressive disease and disease. Right. Without a doubt. And what's one, what is one way to release all that, that so many people aren't doing these days? 
Yeah. And I think the really important part about emotions is that they are energetic motions, right? So everything is energy and frequency, like what Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. So releasing is being in deep states of stress and working out is beautiful. And I know that you're, you're a big workout guru and it allows like the, the emotions to kind of release themselves and you transmute it which is really powerful, but it also still stays resonance in the body because you're still contracting. And the important part of Mm. releasing the emotion is releasing. It's not contracting and holding, right? So it's releasing. So when we do, and this is the beautiful thing about my journey is like, I started off healing my intellectual body, my emotional body, and then I went into my energetic and now I'm into my physical body for the last two years. I've been working on my physical body and I've released so much pain, so much tissue, I've re- like, I've healed my own like acid reflux because of movement, because of listening to my body. And when I talk about deep stretches and like yogi kind of stretches, but not yoga. And I want to really specify that is that I don't believe in commercialized yoga. I just don't. I don't believe in commercialized kind of meditation. I don't. I believe in following our own intuition and our own guidance. I don't believe in following somebody else because we're not Mm -hmm. listening to our body. They don't know where that pain and that discomfort is. They don't understand what our body is telling us because our body is telling ourselves, right? So it's really important that we learn to listen to ourselves. What movement do I need to do to release this emotion? And a lot of times when you release a pain out of a shoulder, out of a hip, out of a back, there's a memory tied to it. There's Mm -hmm. always a memory tied to it. No kidding. So you would say some form of movement? Deep, deep movement. So with my clients, like how I work with them is like every session is so different, right? Because sometimes we're channeling information. Sometimes we're in deep meditation and deep, like we're going to the theta state. They're going into their astral body, their soul body. And then sometimes they're right on the mat and they're going deep into movement and they're following their body, right? And when they follow their body, I only offer guidance a little bit when I connect with their highest self, I'll give them a bit of guidance and then I let them go and listen to their body the entire way. And they're like, wow, like I didn't even know that my body could do that. I didn't even know like that was there. A lot of times memories are in there. Sometimes those memories won't come out after two, three sessions and all of a sudden it was like this thing that happened in childhood that they didn't even have recollection of. It was still stored in the subconscious levels. And they're like, holy man, like it, or it was from a previous lifetime. Like it's really fascinating what happens uh, when we actually listen to our body and do in movement. So what happened in a previous lifetime? Is that the karma go tie back to the karma debt chart? Sometimes, yeah. Or sometimes it's an experience that happened that um, we carried into the soul body. So what happens is we have a soul memory. So this is actually proven also in science that we have a soul memory. So our DNA strand isn't just two strands. We actually have three strands. And that third strand is our triple helix. And our triple helix is our soul memory. So that's the memory of our soul for however long it has been in existence for. So that memory also impacts our physical body in this in this state of being in this lifetime because it's still part of our of our DNA strands. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Roxanne, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Where can people find you? They can find me anywhere on social media and under my website at RoxanneShapu.com. Yeah. And they want to connect. I'd be more than happy to connect with them, even just to have a chat and whatnot. Mm. I've already said it before, but real quick, what's your podcast? 
about soul to soul with Roxanne is all about cellular conversations about going through our soul and self mastery journey, going through our moments of awakening where we realized that we weren't living in our own truth and really having incredible spiritual leaders and impact makers come and share their stories and how they help guide others through some very complex situations. So it's really just about having, you know, those soul to soul conversations, really honest, really candid. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry. And it's just holding beautiful space for one another to grow. That's amazing. Thank you. um, What's next for you? Well, I've been called again. So where I'm kind of being leaded into my journey right now is like, and now I'm serving, but I kind of see myself being more um, mentoring at this point in my life. So I think I'm done with more of like the consultations and I'm moving more into mentoring others to step into their gifts and their abilities and really sharing their magic with the world. So, yeah, so I'm really kind of kind of see where this lands. I think I'm going to start teaching people, um, you know, how to really step into their own healing aspect, how to heal their own body and how to heal their own being. And that's kind of where I see myself growing. And then from there, we are always wanting to be, you know, creating a beautiful foundation for children underserved children, children that are in the foster system and children that just don't have the advantages that other children do. So that's something that has been on my heart for quite a bit of time, but it takes a lot of work to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of my future plans as well as creating a charity for them and hopefully, you know, creating communities for them where they can feel safe exploring their gifts and their abilities and have every opportunity that every other child does. Awesome. Well, give me a shout out when you that charity comes out because that's definitely something I would invest in because I mean, when you have your own kids, it's like, yeah, everything with kids is just, it means so much to you. Like you try to find every cause. You're like, yes, I want to get beyond that. I want to get beyond that. I want to get beyond that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the greatest joy in the world. Absolutely. All right, guys, you know where to find uh, Roxanne. Go check her out and I'll see you guys in another podcast.